right, Colin. It's been a while, man. It has been. How have you been? I've been good. How about yourself? Oh, good. It's been uh, crazy with everything going on and me being yeah. halfway across the country uh, working and then uh, <laughs> still trying to have a life and everything like that, you know? Yeah, I hear you on that. But it seems like you've been able to get out to a GT and actually, from what I remember, you did pretty pretty well first place? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, w- I won first place at a GT back in January. Then I went to Flying Monkey GT and got fifth. Uh, and then I went to a small GT in Mississippi and got first in. And then I went to a GT two weekends ago and Renegade Open and got fourth. Uh, unfor- unfortunately, if I'd won that game, uh, the guy ended up cheating me. But uh, if I if I had won that game, I would be about fifteen points away from number one in the ITC. So a <laughs> of that. Well, but. how do you feel about this season? Do you feel like it's like an off season, or do you feel like you know it's just kind of you're making the best you can out of it? Uh, I mean, I'm just making the best I can out of it. Honestly, like I had a couple more GTs to go to. I was going to go to a GT in Ohio this weekend, but uh, it got canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another GT that I was thinking about going to the first weekend in December in Washington, but they also put in, they like went back to phase two or whatever. So it's looking yeah. like uh, they won't be able to have the GT now either. So now I'm stuck. Uh, going to an Ironman tournament in Florida if I want to get in a GT, which it's crazy. They're doing two Ironmans in the same weekend. So you do, so for you that don't know what an Ironman is, it's effectively five rounds, five or six rounds, usually I think five rounds for a GT format, but in one day. And these people in Florida are doing one of those on Saturday and one of those on Sunday. So you're effectively playing 10 rounds of 40K in a weekend. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I know the LVO drains you enough, and you're adding what another four rounds uh, over the, you know, your basic, what is it, six rounds that you usually see at LVO. And I know, I know that like that's enough to drain me. And geez, I can't imagine just trying to do that ten rounds in in a weekend. On doing the whole ten rounds, you can opt in to do both events or not. Like they're doing Saturday as a separate event. So my plan is I'm probably just going to do Saturday. And then fly back Sunday, and that means I can like take my time recovering Sunday evening after I get back from playing. But uh, and then also right now it's looking like only have an, they'll only have enough to make a GT for Saturday, so wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for me to stay Sunday anyway. So you've been obviously able to get to a bunch of these tournaments. You know what what's it been like this year versus say last year, which was a little bit more within the norm. Uh, well, it's interesting. Uh, there, there obviously aren't as many events going on. Uh, only certain places have been able to even have events. And as a result, we haven't seen like the normal amount of people going to events. And we haven't seen a lot of the usual top-level players going to the events as well. Uh, though some of them have shown up in sparse amounts. Uh, as a result, uh, I've been able to jump up pretty high in the rankings. I'm I think I'm like three points away from being number two in the ITC. And then after that, I'm only like 35 to 40 points away from number one in the ITC. So it's good for me. So it means I can jump up higher to increase my prestige and uh, get more practice and, and everything. So 
I guess on that side, it's good. And the nice thing is, is that uh, you don't have to... Sh- well, not really shake. I shouldn't say this is like a nice thing, but it's been weird at first, but also kind of nice uh, not shaking each other's hands and then uh, not having to worry about like passing anything that way because I feel like yeah, or you would have more higher chance of getting sick from like right. just actual physical contact with your opponent and like just catching something not not because they want to pass anything onto you or anything, but. Uh, so it's I, more of the awkwardness of like all the interactions you're you're typically used to just you know being there being around people you know being being more cordial with folks right yeah, yeah. overall though uh, i've the people i have played against other than one to two exceptions i've actually had a more pleasant experience overall this year so i don't know i don't know what i don't know what to make of that but i think everyone's just super either everyone's just super happy that uh, that they're actually just able to get out and play at all, or on the other hand, uh, maybe it's just the really mean people don't want to go out for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know. What well, with the matches that you are getting, are you finding that the um, the matches are just as challenging as they were? Like, are you? I guess someone would look. So the argument out there right now, right when you're looking at the stats, that's kind of the hard thing looking at the tournaments and trying to get an idea, well, we haven't had any significant majors just because of the situation, right? So there's the data itself, you know, I I think there's a lot of people kind of throwing asterisks out there because of the sample size, right? And in your experience going through this, are you finding that, you know, that kind of holds true that you kind of get like a nice random assortment of like your, your normal tough matches or when you get to the, you know, are you finding that the matches are the harder matches are actually happening early because the folks that are there are just a lot more, I don't know if it's dedicated or just, you know, a lot more committed to actually go in there. Yeah, I, I guess I would say that, um, especially at the last two events I've gone to the caliber of players I've, I've faced off right away have been higher because I have noticed like not all, but, uh, like not that not this maybe not the super high level but like the people who are trying to get towards the very top or or some at the top are still coming and playing because you know they still want to compete and not lose their skills and um i'll right. get also when i went to when i went to this miss this gt in mississippi that i won uh my first round opponent was mark perry one of the guys at art of war uh yep. so you know like not like he's not like I know he, I don't, he's not like, like the other guys from Art of War who are like the very, like the very top, but he's not a bad player. Like he's a pretty good player in my opinion too. Like he's playing with them. So that was my first round opponent who I beat. And then second round was Adam Abramowitz. Um, For those of you that don't know. Yeah. He's no slouch. He, he won. I can't remember if he won overall or best general at Warzone Atlanta last year. Right when we were there, and uh, he is now the coach for Team USA for the WTC. So he's yep. not a slouch either. And then, uh, it was, so those were my t- two hardest matchups of that weekend. And then after that, it was like kind of a breeze because they were the f- toughest two people there. Uh-huh. And, um, so yeah, that was nice. And then uh, the Renegade Open, the I, I guess the first matchup was uh was a guy from beast coast so like and they're known for like being like uh pretty hardcore competitive players and they're good yeah and then after that 
after that, it kind of like went down in competitiveness level and then it picked back up around five. Uh, but even then, like, the only so it sounds like, it, yeah, sorry, it, sorry to jump in, but it kind of sounds like you're getting kind of like mixed results, right? Um, yeah. And, and you know, it's kind of like, are you finding that the meta itself is pretty much stayed the same throughout most of the year? So, like, are you saying since January the meta stay mostly the same? Yeah. So let's. Yeah. So we got obviously we have to we have to compartmentalize ninth edition outside of what was eighth edition at the start of the year because we we talked earlier this year kind of like where things were, um, you know, with with the new the new revised missions and all that kind of stuff and and now in ninth edition obviously all of that's changed and you know I'm kind of curious. You know, personally speaking, I haven't been out going to the tournaments with y'all. So is it, you know, it, are you finding that the meta is relatively the same? Like you see notorious lists at every tournament, so you've got to have an answer for them. Or is it, you know, very a very mixed bag? I guess, I guess it depends. It's kind of a tough answer because you're going to see a lot of like the still like the the hard the hardcore good lists like you're gonna see you're gonna see at least a harlequin list or two if you were to go to like a 50 to 60 person tournament right now you're gonna see a ton of space marine lists of all varieties because you know everyone has space marines and they're still a quite a good army uh i don't think they're as ridiculous as they were uh at the height of their eighth edition codex but i mean they're still pretty good they're still pretty up there in like the top four codexes in my opinion um sisters is interesting because I don't think we've seen the best sisters list you can put, make in that book yet. Book yet, and but they have done well uh, regardless of that. Uh, Isn't that like an oxymoron? A good sisters list? I don't know. I don't know to be honest. <laughs> I think it's saying something if the Imperium player is like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well. Okay, I should say the the most optimized list that you can get out of the system. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I mean, we're in a minute here. We're going to be getting into Thousand Suns, so I should I should be a little bit careful here because we're we're in pretty bad shape here. Yeah, right? I mean, like I mean, like none of the sister lists are bad, but there's like obviously like better sister right. lists. Right, right, I got well, you. As well as the Space Marines and everything else, right. but but I, no, I think the uh, I actually think the meta's in a pretty good spot uh, overall. I mean, like you have. With some mild, with some mild exceptions. I mean, you have pretty much every Space Marine chapter, excluding Raven Guard and Imperial Fists, that you can make a competitive list with. Uh, you can make a competitive list with uh, with the Demon Codex with Slanesh Demons, uh, and I think honestly, you could probably get away with a mixed list with using some of the other Exalted uh, Greater Demons. I don't think you could do another Mono God list like you can with Slanesh. Slanesh is just right. far and far and away the best Chaos god um i think once the death guard codex comes out i think we're gonna see a real resurgence in death guard players uh ironic yeah. uh, <laughs> the the situation of the year but uh i think they're gonna be a really good codex i actually uh just got back my commissioned death guard army that i sent off to my friend and i'm hoping to get to play that some when the codex comes out nice uh we've got harlequins which are obviously really good uh, Eldar and Dark Eldar are in a really bad spot, but well, 
I should say I should say mostly Eldar. Eldar, Eldar, Dark Eldar. I think have some options there. Dark, but... yeah, Dark, El Dark Eldar have some play. I just think a lot of people are like, oh, there's other armies that are way better, so they're just not playing Dark Eldar. Sure, or sure. Yeah, it's kind of like you get sucked into the middle of the pack, and it's mm -hmm. kind of like, well, do I do I really love my army and just hang out here, or am I, you know, do, is it time for me to actually bail and get on another boat for a little bit? Right, and then uh, Admech are really good still. Uh, yeah. Uh, Necrons are real are I think are a pretty solid army. I mean, they're not they're not like the auto win goodness that you can look at the Space Marine Codex and be like, oh, this is really good. But Necrons have some really good play. I think they can win some GTs. Uh, they have a lot of good options now. I think I think they're in a lot better spot than their previous Codex because they're not stuck in one build like they were before, where you had to take vehicle spam to try to even potentially compete. Now you actually have options, so I think they're in a I think they're in a much better spot than they were in their in in edition. And then Tau are in the bad Tau in a bad spot, unfortunately, because yeah. they lost everything in Forge World. Uh, they don't have any good solid objective holders, and they're just uh, the way the game works now. They just it's just not what it what they used to be. But uh, uh -huh. but then when you go on the orcs, orcs I think are in a really good spot because you have multiple builds you can go around of orcs you can go like a horde list you can go with a uh a speed list. You, can go like yeah. a mixed, you can go like a mixed uh mechanized list of some with some horde uh they're in a good spot and then you also have tyranids which i don't think anyone's actually really tried to run yet but i really like the updated uh the updated malanthrope uh with like a carpet of gaunt one of the a list i'm I'm theorizing right now it has like 180 gaunts with a malanthrope in there. You make <laughs> all the you make all the gaunts have a six up invuln, and then the malanthrope gives everyone a minus one to hit buff, and then it's just like okay, well you're just playing math, yeah, yeah, you're just playing math. But uh, it's I think that's pretty. I think it'd be pretty interesting with that plus like with some other. Fun <laughs> could you there. could you imagine the uh, the the eighth edition plague bearer list? Uh, with the minus, like, what, minus two to hit or minus three to hit or whatever it was, the five up in and the five up film of pain with these missions? Oh, my God. It'd probably run amok of everything. So that's the thing. Uh, one of the lists that was terrorizing 8th edition really early was the Nurgling list. So, like, Nathan, he would run 72 Nurglings with three Plague Burst Crawlers and some characters. And he would literally just like I don't have to kill any of your stuff, but I'm gonna win every game. By He's just holding the objectives, yeah. Yeah, he just holds the objectives, and he just wins. He just beats his opponent not because he killed anything, but because he could outscore his opponent, and his opponent can do anything to stop him. So, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, though, whenever we played, I, ne I uh, he never beat me with that list because Harlequins had just enough high much high high damage weapons to. <laughs> Well, Nurglings, I mean, Nurglings are a bad matchup against those Harquins because, I mean, mm -hmm. even your troops with, uh, what is it, the Kisses or whatever you throw in there that, you know, you, anything yeah. anything that's doing multiple damage against them is just, yeah. I mean, you're going to you're gonna clean them up real quick. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Yeah. So, you know, just to wrap up meta-wise here, you know, one thing I did think about when you were, you were talking about some of the tournaments and the list you were seeing um, – Chaos Knights and Knights in general are always kind of like that. They're not a boogeyman list, but they're like, yeah, you, you're probably going to run into one of them, right? So someone's going to show up with like four or five Knights or whatever it is. Are you still seeing those? Do they even have a chance on the table? 
So it's funny you mentioned that. we. Uh, I just had my Clutch City GT this past weekend, and we had three and a half night players show up. So when I say three and wow. a half, we had uh, three pure night lists, and then, well, let me take that back. And then I think all three of them were Imperium, and then we had one that was three big knights plus 27 horses uh, as an Imperium. <laughs> but uh, no, I think they all did, they all did pretty well. Uh, the... The list that the li- the one list that had a bunch more armagers than the others did better than the rest, and I'm not surprised because the the sucky thing about the the big knights is that when you don't go first and then you lose one turn one, you're yeah. down points and you're at a severe disadvantage the rest of the game. The uh, I think going forward, the way to play Imperial Knights would be spamming uh, Morax armagers, yeah, and then. Um, t- Unfortunately, I think you have to take allies and just so you have more objective taking capability and then makes it a whole lot easier when you only lose a 160 point night versus a 400 point night. Yeah, it seems like the game kind of, you know, with with the alpha strike at the moment and, you know, it's been it's been covered multiple times on like Goonhammer and some of the great articles they put out that, you know, the, the whole going first problem right now still exists i mean even with the missions that we do have it still exists it still is a you know it's an advantage it should be an advantage but not to the extent it is right now so you you taking big things kind of puts you at a disadvantage an even worse position right uh i would agree with that uh well when i when you say big things uh, but you got, you're talking like the the Castellan, like if I'm if I'm talking about like legit big things like Castellans, Greater Demons, Magnus, Primarchs, things that you know traditionally in Eighth Edition you didn't take because you pretty much knew from experience they get blasted off the table turn one or that match you didn't go turn go first turn one and so you pretty much just were either playing like a fifty fifty probability that you go first and you win or or not. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I have seen some lists make mag or not Magnus Mortarian work uh, to a decent degree. So I can, but I can agree to agree agree to that to an extent. That yeah, the big models aren't the best place to be right now because it's an objective based game more than ever. <clears throat> Excuse me, and you need to be able to control objectives. And unfortunately, one big four hundred plus point model isn't going to get can't you do that right. With- well. So now that we're talking about Magnus and the Primarchs and everything, you know, the, the, the big thing that I had talked about with you a little bit ahead of uh, having you on here uh, was, you know, the, the theme right now, especially with the stats that we've seen, uh, is just the, the rough spot that Thousand Suns are in at the moment. And I thought it would be an interesting idea with how well you've been doing um, and your grasp of the meta at the moment, at least. Uh, from a competitive standpoint, to take a look at Thousand Suns and and to at least just say, okay, look, if we were going to run Thousand Suns as a mono army, how would we do it? So why don't I just segue now into over that into that, and you know, why don't you why don't you give me an idea of how would you do this? So my plan with the list, you you're kind of like dealing with a very small bag of tricks compared to other armies. And you have to look at, well, this is what I have to work with and how am I going to make this work and play to my strengths. So right. the nice thing about Ninth Edition is that you don't actually have to kill your opponent's army to win. 
you have to score primary points to win, and you have to score secondary points to win. Well, when you look at the secondary list, there's a whole section of just casting psychic powers that gets you points. And what do the Thousand Suns get at? Casting psychic powers. Now, albeit, you can only take one from the list for casting psychic powers, but there are a couple other secondaries that are that are good for you to take as well on a Thousand Sun list due to the due to the nature of how the Thousand Suns codex is structured and what units are like auto takes quote unquote to pick. So right. I'll go through, I'll briefly go through my list that I that I wrote up. Okay. So, so remind me, Cult of Duplicity is the one where you redeploy units, right? That's correct. Okay. And then which and is it a free power that just lets you heal D three to a model or is that a, or is that a specific cult also? Uh, yes, I believe there's a stratagem for uh, if you cast a power on a nine up. Um, I think it's for a CP. Uh, well, you have to pick when you're going to cast it, and basically say, "Okay, I'm I'm betting now that I'm going to cast this p- next power on a nine up or a nine or right. greater." And if you do, then you you get D three D three wounds, or you heal a model. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I couldn't remember which one that or was. Or revive a model or whatever whatever the wording is on it. But yeah, that, that's roughly what it is. Okay, cool. Okay, well, the list is a, it's a single detachment of cult duplicity. I have Armon, two demon princes with wings, uh, a two five-man rubric units, a 14 rubric unit with 12 warp flamers. Uh, Jesus. Three hellbrutes with with multi-meltas and hellbrute fists, a Zangor shaman, and then three squads of nine Zangor enlightened. Okay. I see. I think I got an idea where you're going with this. Let me ask a couple questions real quick. On the demon princes, I take it you're, I mean, assuming you're taking the talons loadout on those, right? right. They're all, they're all talons. And then if I didn't mention it, Armand's on the disc. Okay. And so the let's let's jump into the first thing that that kind of shocked me there was the twelve warp flamers in the fourteen man rubric squad. So the I, I would kind of assume that you're banking with the so one of the things that this might not even have anything to do with your thinking here, but I know that the um, one of the issues with the the update that they came out with for all the flamers was that warp flamers didn't get the twelve inch flamer rule. So their war, their flamers are still eight inches. Now, if their flamers are twelve inches, is that kind of part of the plan here with with that squad? Yeah, that's that's kind of the plan with the squad is okay. Twelve inches. Uh, I'm assuming they'll get that update in their codex. Uh, I'd be shocked if they don't. That's but. fair. Yep, I'm. I think I'm on board with you because they've been pretty much across the board. Any flamer weapon is getting the twelve inch rule, right? Yeah, so that's my plan with them. It's like basically having a big blob of rubrics walking up the board saying, hey, anything that comes within 12 inches of us is going to get flamed to crap. And uh, I think that would just be kind of funny to have to have to make them deal with. <laughs> now, do you, is that kind of a target that you use the the infiltration stratagem with? And oh. then if, you know, if you're going first, you're just, I mean, advance, advance them and then use the flamers and just go to town or... Um, is it kind of like better to just say, okay, I'll, uh, I'll infiltrate them. If I don't go first, then I'll redeploy them somewhere I can hide them. Basically. Yeah. Cool. That's a, 
that's pretty neat. I think most people kind of look at the rubric Marines, I think, and, and they think bolters, right? So they could double tap the, the bolter guns, but with the warp flamers that are there. Yeah. I could see, I could see that being even better and getting even more shots out of it. It's AP two. You can play them super, super aggressive. Oh yeah. I think you could just like, if you get it up in people's space with it, with them, you could surprise them. And then also like, you're causing them to deal with stuff right in their front lines instead of just moving their whole army up on the objectives. So that slows your opponent down to where you can crack up on points before they can catch up, which I think is a big, big important issue uh, with ninth with ninth edition and why I think that rubric rubric plot works. Ideally, I would like to make it a twenty man. Uh, I think I guess you could probably get away with taking the wings off the demon princes because they're cult of duplicity. Too, so you could jump yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. So you can jump them. Uh, 35 po- 70 points also gets you like a lot more rubrics too in that squad. Also, <laughs> almost another full squad actually. So yeah. you're at least talking like four. I think about four of them. So, so you had two other squads of rubric marines, right? So you had two five man squads, or and then one big twelve man squad. Yeah, two two five mans and the big fourteen man. Okay. And then you had um, the the next thing was you had the three um, hell brutes with with multi melters on them, which I don't think anybody's going to be you know too shocked there. That's a really good that's a really good loadout on the hell brute. Um, and then remind me again, you're throwing um, with the multi melter. What are you throwing on the other uh, the other arm on it? Just the fist. Just the fist. And do you put the bolt and throw the bolter on there? I guess if you have points or whatever. No, I just have the I just have the fist on there. Uh, the reason why I want the fist on there is that the multi melter went up to two shots. So for for chaos, so they do have the increased right. shots now, and the fist the fist lets them actually like menace stuff in melee as well as shoot in melee with their fists or their with their multi melters. So I kind of like that. So. If for some reason, like you have something in your backfield, or you want to, you could also just throw them up there and just have them walk forward across the board with the rubrics if you wanted. Uh, right. But for like for anti tank fire support, it seems like I could also just jump them with cult of duplicity and put them where I need them to be and just let them go to town, right? Exactly. So that's that's the other th- cool thing I thought I was thinking about this list. Uh, since you can jump them with cult of duplicity, you could, the reason why. If, for the multi-melta and fist is so you can jump them, potentially catch a person off guard that doesn't keep the backside of their characters protected. And so you can get it back there, pop two multi-melta shots off at one character, kill one, and then you charge in and potentially potentially kill another one with their fist and melee. Yeah, that that seems like it would work. And with three of them, I mean, what are those those, uh, total out to for each one? 110 points. Jeez. Yeah, for that's not that's not bad at all. No, it's not bad. I don't think. So then you had the Zangor Shaman, which when I heard that, it kind of sounded like, okay, there's going to be some Zangors in here because you pretty much that's why you take them for that plus one to hit. So the Zangor Enlightened were kind of what I was not expecting either, and so you took uh, was it 27 of them total? So you had three squads of nine. 27. Um, yeah. And and are you loading them out with the bows or the spears? No, they're all spears. And the spears are cool because you're going to get multiple damage when they charge, right? Yes, which I and, think is important for the for the marine meta. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so the the curious thing I have is what's the delivery on them? Do you, you know, are you planning on having to deep strike them or you just start them on the board, warp time them and just, you know, let them go in and do their thing? Just start them on the board. That's the key thing about this list is that uh, the Helberts and Zangoran Lightens can start engaging the foe right away. So I actually kind of like this list to go second because you let your opponent, you can let your opponent uh, move up, move up some turn one, and then you can cult the duplicity, the the flamer bomb, according, uh, assuming that we get the 12 inch rule, and then you have the Helberts move up, and then you have the Zangor Enlightened move up, and then warp time one of the Zangor Enlightens, because they move fast, and they can actually engage stuff on turn one assaults if your opponent moves their army up. Mm-hmm. And you and, and if you can actually get the drop on them, I think that's really critical for the Thousand Sun player uh, is to be able to start doing damage for the, before their opponent can, but in a way that they can dictate themselves, not just because right. they force them to that situation. So it sounds like you're going to, I mean, like probably any army, you're going to need some terrain to, to work with, right? So you're going to need to be able to hide. Um, but a lot of this stuff, if I'm thinking about it, you don't have giant blobs in any of this. So... And those are those tend to be the things that are really difficult to hide. Um, you know, your your big thirty man Zangor blobs like we used to see, or um, you know, I, I forget pink horrors. You know, big squads of them, things like that. So, well, you told me to stay. You told me to stay pure. Yep. Fun, so I didn't do any uh, demon stuff either. Yep, absolutely. So let's uh, let's branch out a little bit. Let's say. Let's say if you were going to talk about Zinch Demons a little bit with this, and I know I've kind of, kind of thrown a curveball here. Um, do you think the Exalted Demons and the Zinch stuff is worth considering? I think that I think Big Bird with the uh, making it an, an unkillable Exalted Lord of Change, I think that would be a huge anchor to this list. And it would be uh, something, something where they can, the Thousand Sun player can really I guess kind of real with their psychic potential with, as well as having a really strong anchor unit that won't die. Gotcha. So you're using that, you're just starting them on the board and you're just using it as a way to get access to more access to the Zinch tree. You've got Gaze of Fate. You can put a lot of like support stuff on it. Um, And, and you can fly them up the board and do some damage and, you know, charge them in whatever. Um, do you take them in, in like a patrol with uh, maybe some pink horrors or something like that? Yeah, that was the other thing I was kind of thinking about. Like, I guess Zinch could be kind of interesting to play with if you just kind of took like the max horror units and then just played up the uh, played up the the split rule a lot and just basically have opsec. <laughs> so basically, in a, in a Zinch list, you're thinking like, okay, I take a horror unit with max split. And then just sit them on an objective and just say, "Go ahead, shoot, you know, keep chewing through them." Oh well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put them on one objective. I put them on two objectives because, with the amount of models that list will event, that unit will eventually become, you can easily sure. spread out of two objectives. And the key thing is that not only do you need to control one objective, but you need to control multiple objectives and more than your opponent. So you can basically lock down two of the four to six objectives in a game, then that's huge in your favor. Then you just have to fight over two other ones to win the game against your opponent. Interesting. So you just kind of divide it up and all of a sudden, like they know they have to move you off that objective somehow. 
And if they start to, then all you're doing, you know, they're just spreading you out onto, onto more objectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some things that we didn't really talk about also on my list uh, with the with the uh, with the list that I I told you earlier. So there's there's like a very uh, specific strategy that I was planning to do with secondaries. Secondaries is a yeah. big, is is all not quite as important as primary, but you still have to do them. Like secondaries, if you're like very neck and neck with your opponent on primary, secondaries is what can make or break the game for you. So, but even though primary is the most important thing, you can't ignore them either. So the secondaries, the secondaries that I think work for this list, as well as I think most any thousand sun list in the game uh, is while we stand, we fight because you're generally going to have your three most expensive units, in my opinion, be characters on your list. So keeping the, and then keeping them alive will just auto get you 15 points. And the thing is that you don't have to go send them in there to actually kill stuff. Uh, if you just have them sit in the back corner of your board, not doing anything, controlling the objective, they get you 35 points over the course of the game, 20 points for holding an objective, and then another 15 points for just surviving. And if your opponent is dumb enough to take assassinate versus you because they're thinking, oh, there are a bunch of thousands of uncared. <laughs> He's coming to me. He's going to come to me, or I hope they peril and they die and I'll get points. Over <laughs> that's, that's even better. Because That's even better because not only do you have the 15 points for getting uh, while we stand, we fight, but it also denies your opponent nine points plus uh, or nine points on their assassinate. So that's a 24 point swing in your favor, which if you're not controlling the board, that can really help you uh, uh, help help swing the score in your favor. And then also, of course, if your opponent doesn't have any psychers, they're going to take Warcraft. Uh, I really don't like this uh, this secondary because it just basically says, "Hey, this just says Grey Knights and Thousand Suns can't compete in this game." So. That's what, a bore the witch, a bore yeah. the witch, or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a common complaint in our community that you know it's kind of like, well, that's mm-hmm. you know, strike one for everybody. Like that's got to go, or there's got to be something done with that. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of why you see me designing this list this way. I have six units in this list that are not psychers. You have the three helpers that aren't psychers. You have the three Zangord and Lightning units that's not that aren't psychers. And so, if they want to take this secondary. Ideally, the only units that I hope that they will kill will be the Zangor Shaman and the big blob of unit rubrics. So that's right. that's eight points. Okay, cool. If I can hold any secondary where I can hold my opponent to less than ten points is good in my opinion. Yeah, that's uh that's actually pretty good. Because ideally what you're wanting to do on your secondaries when you're playing this game is you want to average around 25 points in your secondaries. You don't have to get 45 points in your secondaries. If you can average 25 points in your secondaries while also scoring primary, you're pretty much guaranteed to win the game. So it sounds like you're you're basically saying, you know, the are you are you well, let me let me back up here. So are you taking psychic ritual as well as one of your secondaries potentially to use with like uh, what is it? A rubric squad or one of the five man rubric squads, maybe in your backfield that just sits on an objective. Or was the scoring remind me again, is the scoring on that, that I have to be at the center of the board. Yeah. So psychic ritual is the one where you have to be within six inches of the bat of the center of the battlefield. That's right. Or you have, or you have mental interrogation and you have to cast it 
at an enemy character. Or you can also do the really cute one of doing Pierce the Veil. If you cast the power twice while you're in your opponent's deployment zone, you get eight points, which I'm not a big fan of. Honestly, uh, I would probably go with five or seven. And then you're thinking, well, Colin, you just said that I want to do while we stand, we fight on your on my three big characters, so they're not going to be casting those powers up in the fray or or being in the center of the battlefield. And I was like, well, yes, that's a good point. That's why the Zangor Shaman's there because the one Zangor Shaman isn't going to do a whole lot. His his buffs passive for the um for the Zangor Enlightens, which is good, but you also have him there to actually move fast. He's not he's it's somewhat expendable compared to your big casters because he's not as expensive, but he's also there to do those psychic actions so he can actually get you mm-hmm. those points. Yeah, because I mean, otherwise, all you're using them for is like a smite or something else. So why not just use the psychic action and then let his aura do the work, right? Exactly. And then my other thought for the third secondary for this list is deploy scramblers because A, you have 10, you have two five-man rubric units, which are great for this. Uh, you can easily have one do it in your own deployment zone. The rubric unit, while they walk up, uh, if they don't have anything to engage turn one, they can easily do the action in their in the middle in the middle zone, and then you have one rubric unit starting strategic reserve, so they walk onto the board in your opponent's deployment zone, turn three, and get your last scramblers, and then that gets you ten points. And then and based off just that, you're going to average 31 points secondaries-wise. If you get off deploy scramblers for 10, you keep your three expensive characters alive for 15, and then you get off... You don't even have to get off mul- multiple the uh, the mental interrogation or psychic ritual. If you just get it off one or two times, you've gotten 31 points already just from that, and then you just have to worry about primary, and, you've, and if you can pull that off, then you've got the game in, in the bag, in my opinion. Interesting. So hopefully that gives some ideas for, you know, some other folks. I know that's kind of one of the things everybody's kind of struggling with is trying to figure out, you know, how they make the best of the army at the moment until we actually get our codex. Um, You know, I know one of the things we talked about earlier this year was, you know, the things that they could do to improve the army. Uh, We talked about the Chaos Terminators a little bit. Um, It seems like they got kind of about half of kind of what you were thinking would be a good idea. Like they got the, um, what is it? The plus strength to the power swords and um, you know, the reduced cost I think on the power swords, but overall, you know, until they actually get, what is it? The additional wounds and the additional um, uh, what is it? Um, I guess it's just the additional wounds that they're getting, right? Like the Terminators and the Rubik Marines will get them when, when I guess the codex comes out or maybe they'll, do that during the uh, the case chaos space marine codex did they get the did they get the strength bonus on the sword already uh yeah i believe they did and that was that was one of the big things i thought kind of went right in line with what we talked about earlier this year and how important just having strength five yeah. is versus strength four well, especially in marines well obviously someone is listening to your podcast since uh <laughs> <laughs> let's hope let's hope it's that easy right <laughs> I think that's one of the things. I think they just need to make all the Scarab Occults just have, have make them make them change the name to something other than Mastercrafted Power Sword and just make it a Mastercrafted Power Sword uh, stat wise for the for the Scarab Occult. Right. I think you actually have a playable unit once you have that and uh, and three wounds, and then they probably should also just get a four up invuln base 
because yeah, that would actually make them make them really good. And then doesn't Tartaros army even have like regular Tartaros terminators? Don't they have a four up in bone? You're thinking of cataphracti, and that actually uh, they uh they, oh they, they just made it. They got rid of Tartaros and cataphracti in the space ring codex, and now it's called relic terminator armor basically <laughs> you just pick one or the other and okay forget what the rule is i don't remember if they actually gave them the four up or not but i was like oh well they didn't want people buying more seriously models apparently yeah yeah we're kind of well i mean you're we're kind of seeing the obvious movement with a lot of this stuff where i mean the rules the forge world book that came out you know mike and i are going to be talking about this uh on monday but uh you know the 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 rules in it are kind of interesting that they've, it seems like they're kind of reverting a little bit to kind of some of the pointers that they did, like in seventh edition, where it was like this rule references this rule. And then, you know, you have to go look up what that rule is and that kind of thing. You know, with the forge world book, I don't really, it doesn't really bother me all that much because it's, we're getting the update that we need to a lot of these uh, units that are in it. But um it's it's just not the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, it's not mainstream, right? There's nobody that's like, yeah, the, the Forge World units are like core to the game. They're kind of a an appendage to the game where it's like, yeah, they're there. It's, they're legit. You can use them, but you know, it, it's not the it's not the end of the world, really. So, no, I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, I honestly, I think the big thing for Thousand Signs is that. Uh, frustratingly, like when you look at them compared to Death Guard, Death Guard got a fuller release, like a way bigger release than Thousand Suns did. <laughs> Thousand Suns just need to get the the Death Guard treatment model wise and everything. Amen. But yeah, yeah, amen to that. I mean, it was it was almost embarrassing because they did the uh, what was it the um uh the 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 supplement at the end of seventh where they brought Magnus out and they got all the new models, the new rubric models, Zangors, like a lot of that stuff carrying into the codex all came over from age of Sigmar. And, um, right. you know, it was kind of like, yeah, we're getting this, this treatment. It's kind of like, so there's more, right. And GW just goes silent. Like, yeah, there's more someday. Right. I mean, it's just like- <laughs> and then the death guard release just, like no, we're just going to give Death Guard all of these all of these units, like completely revamp the entire army. Well, it's crazy because the only thing that Death Guard and Thousand Sons are comparable in are in the fact they both have three troop choices. You have Rubrics, Cultists, and Zangors for Thousand Sons, and then you have Plague Marines, Cultists, and Foxwalkers for Death Guard. That's like the only thing that are comparable in. And then you look at everything else, like okay, well, Death Guard have more elites. Death Guard have more character options. Death Guard have more fast attack options. They have not only do they have the uh, blight ha- blight haulers, um, uh, bloat drones, blight drones, yeah, and spawn, yeah. but they also but whereas Thousand Suns just have Zengord and Lighten. That's like the in I guess like, it's chaos spawn, but they share that, so it's not really it's moot. <laughs> so like, and then heavy support it gets even worse. But I don't want to go. I don't want to c- compare that too much, but. No, I, I yeah. Thousand Suns are definitely in the probably one of the roughest spots right now. Uh, just because they don't have like near nearly amount of unit unit options as some of the other codexes do, but it's not it's not all it's not all bad. It's just uh you have to get way more creative with the uh with the tired old bag of tricks you do have. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I guess we have to kind of hope that the codex gives us at least, you know, at the time it comes out that, you know, maybe we'll see some new models or something like that. But, uh, you know, I think the the big things that stand out to me, obviously, is that the Legion trait doesn't do anything for any of the non-psychers, right? You, you, you know, even right now, the fact that you get an extra six inches, I agree. It's, or with most people, it, it's a fantastic Legion trait. But then, you know, you shouldn't be then penalizing the rest of the army for the fact that, you know, they're not psychers. There should be some kind of bonus that's there. Right. Kind of like in some of the Space Marine armies where it's kind of like these units get this bonus and then these units get this bonus. Well, you know, it's crazy about that. The Legion trait's not even that good anymore at all, because think about it. When the game when the game size of the table has shrunk twenty five percent, well then why do I need an extra six inch range on my psychic powers when they're already eight? Yeah. I guess there would be some people in Devil's Advocate would say it got stronger with the fact that they shrink the if they shrink the table, then the Legion trait gets stronger because now I can reach even more of the table, right? Yeah, but my my Devil's Advocate to that is when all the objectives are roughly center to the game, that alleviates that fact because you're going to be in range of everything that matters that's controlling the objectives that you need to kill. So... Ideally, you don't need the extra range. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think the, um, you know, do you think there's units being penalized right now that could be improved, like demon engines, cultists? Like they're pen. It's to me, it seems like cultists just their point, their point costs, even Zangor's point costs seem relatively out of whack with the rest of the game, at least from a relative standpoint, like guardsmen, for example, you know, everybody points to guardsmen and says, you know, the guard, the guardsmen cultist argument has been going back and forth for a while. So you have guardsmen now at what, six points a model and now cultists are what, seven points a model or, or five and six or whatever, whatever they're at right now. I know that the cultists are one more point than a guardsman and they have less to work with. And especially when you get into armies like thousand sons of death guard, there's there's literally nothing they can do with the cultists. Like if you're going to argue that, oh, well, you can do, you know, the, the you know, infiltrate stratagem with a big blob of them and everything. And it's kind of like, no, we can't. And it just kind of seems like most of the folks that look at the armies don't realize that there's like this hard divider between Chaos Space Marines and Death Guard and Thousand Sons where, you know, they get to take the units, but they don't get any really benefit of taking those units. Uh, I uh, completely agree. They need to give something. Uh, they need to revamp the psychic powers because, you know, like you look at like the uh, all the psychic powers that Chaos Space or that Thousand Suns had last edition or still have. It's all mortal wound output. Whereas all the Space Marine ones, some of the Space Marine ones have changed. Where like Psychic Fortress used to be protections against mortal wounds. Now Psychic Fortress is a six inch bubble of of. Uh, of five up involved, which when you spread that out across all your units is really good. So mm-hmm. I really think that Thousand Suns need to get a revamp of their psychic powers and uh, give out more buffs to the units and aura buffs to the units instead of just raw damage output because you can't, and you also can't rely on smite spam anymore because of the, each, the, the increasing cost of smite now for every cast. Yeah. Which I guess they, they're attributing to, well, you got all these, advantages from the the psychic ritual book so you don't necessarily need them anymore right or you don't need that advantage and i i think the pain we're all feeling now is that you know 
there was so much of a reliance on that to, to make up for the disadvantage all these other units have demon engines, um, you know, land raiders, things that's like, these are the kind of options you have and they're the only option. Like you literally don't have another option here, you know, for heavy support. Like you're taking a predator, a land raider, a demon engine, like a forge fiend or mauler fiend or a mutileth vortex piece. And then outside that, you know, or a defiler. And those are your options that are right there. And you're kind of saying, well, those are, that's a lot of options. Well, that's a lot of shitty options, really. I mean, they're all, every single one of them is susceptible to the exact same thing that they're in the game to, to, to destroy. So really all it is, is just, you know, I have to take something that is, you know, I don't really get an advantage in any way. Whereas like chaos space Marines have havocs, um, you know, they, or, or you can take obliterators or something that's like, here's an infantry unit that can get in precisely and just annihilate something that I need it. There's nothing in the codex that really just can do that precisely like that against anti-armor. No, you're exactly right. Well, my case rests. So Colin, hopefully you get to get uh, into writing our uh, codex for us for the next edition. So if it was that easy, so. (laughs) Well, Colin, I I appreciate you taking the time tonight to, uh, you know, chat thousand sons and hopefully you've been able to give some ideas with your you know the list you talked about you know i thought there were some really you know surprising things in there you know the zangor enlightened the uh the flamers things like that hopefully that kind of helps some people you know rethink and reevaluate how they're how they're building their competitive lists and you know maybe those will uh we'll start to see some thousand sons wins uh come to fruition before the uh the codex drops hopefully that'd be that'd be nice to see well, we know that Magnus didn't do anything wrong, right? Uh, no, I guess he didn't do anything wrong today. <laughs> we're making progress. Colin, Colin has now moved on to, well, I guess today is okay. So we're making progress. That I've heard of. That he hasn't done anything wrong today. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thanks again, Colin. You're welcome, David. Thank you for having me on. It was great to be here.